The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the nightmare good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, the English edition. Uh, oh, we've changed titles. I think so, because we are in UK based. So, uh, so anyway, uh, Ghost Chronicles International, welcome. Uh, I am Ron Kolick, and that gentleman speaking was Mr. Parascience himself, Steve Parsons. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the transatlantic English edition of Ghost Chronicles <laughs> International. There you go. But, you know, the interesting thing about it is, is we do have the same language, but we don't. So it's kind of, I guess you that's... Will. Well, we do. And I, we don't. We're blessed over... Uh, being, being in Britain, we're actually... Uh, we have the advantage because uh, we get so much American television that we can understand... <laughs> American words, accents, and phrases really easily. But from previous trips to America, I know that a lot of Americans actually struggle with the, the British way of speaking because I think we speak more slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're definitely a more refined people. You're, you know, you're, you speak slowly. You're, you don't get your panties in a bunch. I mean, you know, you're pretty level. Um... Well, let's hope we can keep it that way during Spirit Quest. All set, all booked, and all ready to rock and roll Boston in the fall? Oh, excellent, excellent. Spirit Quest, that's right. Uh, we are ready to roll. It's going to be at the Haunted Vizia Estate in uh, Groveland, Massachusetts. That's a great place. Lots of backstory to it and uh, uh, nice location. A lot of, uh, in fact, that's where I teach my paranormal CSI class, so... There you go. You wouldn't believe how much I'm looking forward to this. It's all, uh, it's all starting to come together. Um, Started to work uh, on the various talks, presentations, and uh-huh. things that we've got planned. Um, plus some uh, plenty of Union Jack apparel. Um, oh, very embla- cool. Em- emblazoning, emblazoning the Brit flag. Um, I know how. I've, I've always, I've always been um, impressed by by the Americans. Uh, respect for the flag. Um, it's not something we do over here. We don't tend to fly our flag very often, and certainly not from the front porch and in all the classrooms. And I think that uh, I, I like the sort of national pride, uh, the pride in the flag that, that yeah, America you know what? displays. I, I loved it too, but it's no longer the way. I mean, our our country is getting so diluted it's, it's really sad i mean growing up i mean we 
and when we went to school, we pled, did the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag every morning. Uh, you know, it, 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 there was a lot more respect uh, for the government and for the, the flag and, and what the country and what it stood for than it does now, unfortunately. And it's, it's really sad. But um, I think it's the same way in the U.K. Is I mean, it, I, I, do, well, let me ask you this, Steve. Do you think it, it's got a lot to do with... with um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, people coming in who are not born in the UK. And they're not really. I think the British have, have always had a a healthy disrespect for for authority. Um, yeah. I, I, it's not a. It's. I think as a nation, uh, we're, we're more suspicious of our politicians. Um, we don't get involved in politics, and we. We we tend to take a slower view of things. Uh, we're a bit of a slow burner when it comes to getting worked up about things. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always been a, a nation that that's welcomed immigrants exactly like America. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've had wave after wave of immigration going right the way back to to the Romans, um, and it's made us it's made us the country we are. Uh, I know that you know there are nationalists who who say that you know we shouldn't let people in and uh, they steal jobs and all of these other excuses uh, and reasons that they give. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's who it it's what makes Britain Britain. Um, the four right. the four nations and the way we just soon to bump be three. and grind. Yes, yeah, soon to be three if Scotland has its way. Um, but we just bump and grind along together, you know, like like all good families there are there are arguments and fights and then we kiss and make up. There you go. Anyways, we have a guest on the line, so I don't want to keep them on the line too long. Uh, we always Yeah, we do, we want on. to keep them there for an hour. Oh, very good. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Ron Cohen and Steve Parson. And our special guest today is a gentleman who um, I've met uh, probably for a couple of years now. He is a paranormal investigator, and he's also a member of my paranormal study group, believe it or not, and the head and founder of uh, Spirit Chasers Paranormal Willie Hassel. Willie, are you there? Yes. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Yeah, I always call him Wiley, but I've been good today in heaven. So uh, I noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that. I, so I like that. I, well, that sort of conjures up in images of coyotes. Yeah, there yeah, you go. It does. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. But that's that's just wrong, you know. I think it's the beard. I think that's what it is. You know, you just get to oh, that. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, good old, good old boy. Look, that's all. But and anyways, um, you have been, uh, you have your own group now, and uh, you've done a lot of investigating. But I mean, how did you get involved in in the beginning? I mean, it's it's one thing, you know, to be interested in, and how do you jump from there once you become interested into forming your own group? Well, it was really no big story, Ron. It's uh, paranormal and, you know, ghosts are something that I've always been interested in and never really knew one way or the other. You know, do ghosts exist? Do they not? And I, I have to admit, it was from watching the TV shows that it, it piqued my interest. And I just said one night, I said to my brother, I'm going to go out and find out if there's an answer to this. And I said, are you coming? And reluctantly, <laughs> screaming, and 
bragging. He came. <laughs> and along with uh, two other members of our group, Mary and Michelle, who you know. Yeah, they actually, they actually were two students from my paranormal uh, CSI course, which I'm very That's proud right. of them, by the way. That's right. Um, so this was uh, probably about three years ago or so, three or four years. Has it been that long, yeah? Yeah, about that, yeah. Uh, we decided to go out and kind of take a look around, and uh, we just kind of became a group ever since then, and, and here we are. So, I mean... That you you hung around, I guess, and you said, "Okay, let's investigate." And and then you you go to the next step, which is forming a group. You come up with a name. Uh, right. I'm sure you have shirts, and 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 I know you do events as well. I mean, are those key factors in, in investigating the paranormal, or or is that something that you just like to do anyway? So it just kind of like blends together. Oh. As far as uh, actually forming the group and doing the events and, and joining groups like yours, your meetup, I, I mostly do that, you know, to uh, interact with other people that are in the field and, you know, to, to meet people and, and try and learn different things from different people. And, you know, I, like you say, I sponsor some of my own events. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same thing, to bring in other people and see what they're doing. And so it's kind of like networking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Networking, if, if you want to use that word. I do. And, I do. Uh, okay, okay. We'll, we'll use it then, just for you. <laughs> so, so, Willie, Steve, do you... Yeah, I was just going to ask, do you exclusively uh, investigate what we would call ghosts and hauntings, apparitions, or do you, uh, do you have a more diverse uh, investigative approach, uh, for example... Uh, Bigfoot, UFOs, or uh, and, and other sort of related paranormal phenomena. Good question. Uh, yeah, well, I know that they it is all related, but at this point, I I just stick to the ghosts and spirits, and I'm open to the UFOs and the Bigfoot. I'm open to everything, but myself, I just I haven't got that far yet. You know, it's funny, Willie, Willie is, is ever since I've been doing it, people say, well, what do you think about UFOs? And I, and I always tell them, I says, you know, i got my hands full yeah. of ghosts. I really don't have time for them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's, it's, it's all related, but it's a but it's different field at the same time. I mean, you, you, you can't really do everything, right? right. No, ex- exactly. And I, I always give the answer, um, master of all trade, uh, jack of all trade, Yes, that, you, you get you know you know the one I'm getting at. I'd rather wow. be good at one thing than than. Uh, uh, yeah, I've lost track there. Yeah, master of all trades is it? Master you. of all trades, jack of none, or jack yeah. of all trades, master of none, and right. help help me out, somebody. Do you have a pint or something like before the show or something? I, I think you know. I think I, I think we we've had a sunny day today. I think it's got to me a little bit. That one went desperately wrong. It's a well-known but, phrase but, or saying as well that I've just messed up completely. Don't worry about it. I do it all the time. Sunny, sunny days in England are about as rare as sunny days in New England right now. Oh, we've, we've, yeah, absolutely. We had a, we had a brief burst of summer, and then, yeah. uh, then normal yeah, summer weather was resumed too. with 50 mile an hour winds and driving rain for a week. So, uh, oh, yeah. all good. Yeah. All good. Yeah. 
Steve, I, I, I think you would be interested in how uh, American ghost teams differ from the U.K. Uh, would you like to expand upon that, Steve? Um, I'm not so sure that they actually do because I've, I've, I used to think that they do. I think the American teams are more, are perhaps more overt in their approach and much more forthright in, in the way that they, they uh, network between each other. But I think essentially, uh, when it comes down to the actual nitty-gritty of investigating, I don't think there are, there are that many differences. What I am looking forward to when I come over to Spirit Quest is, is actually meeting with American investigators and learning the subtle differences. And I think the differences will be quite subtle. Uh, I think American investigators are certainly possibly more equipment-orientated than some of the British teams. Um, and certainly have access to many more uh, supplies and sources for for the equipment. Um, you know, you have you have some very very innovative ghost companies over there uh, making, inventing, and, and selling the, this equipment. Oh yeah, uh, that we don't have over here. Um, but I think you know, I think the differences are are more cultural than than uh, procedural. Is that a fair reflection of, of the, the point of view? Well, I see, I don't know how British ghost hunting groups work, but I, I have seen many American groups work. For instance, Willie, I mean, how, is, how do you go about a haunting, uh, investigating a haunting or, or a, uh, doing an investigation? Well, like he mentioned, I, uh, I, I do tend to go a lot more with uh, scientific equipment myself because I'm I'm not sensitive so I, I can't go into a building and, and sense you know oh this there's something happening over here so I, I pretty much have to rely on my equipment um, whereas as Mary of course is is more sensitive and when she goes she can help out in that direction but uh, I think, uh, like he was saying, it's it's kind of a, a case of, I think Americans just like their toys. Mm-hmm. They like their expensive toys, you know? Yeah, I agree <laughs> with you on that one. <laughs> the, the, now, uh, one thing I, I, I did want to say is, is uh, Willie got some pretty interesting footage uh, with a bottle of cigarette. Do you want to go into that a little bit, Willie? Oh, that was uh, that was at an investigation at a an empty warehouse in Beverly, Mass. Uh, it was a huge warehouse. It was like I don't know, hundred thousand foot or something like that. And we set up a uh, a cigarette and a lighter on a on a shelf and put a camera on it. Oh, why why a cigarette and a, why a cigarette and a lighter? Well, cigarette because uh, they seem to be good trigger objects. Okay. Um, if, if you haven't, if you died, you know, a hundred years ago, and you haven't had a cigarette in a hundred years, you probably want one. So, anyways, we we set the cigarette and the lighter on a table, put a camera on it, and we invited if there are any spirits here that want to, uh, you know, would like this cigarette, please, you know, you're welcome to it, and we just left it there. 
and it didn't take very long at all, and that cigarette did move three separate times. It uh, didn't move a lot, but it didn't roll, so it wasn't like it was a breeze blowing it or something. It just slid. The whole thing slid over, and then one end moved by itself a little bit back in the other direction, and then the other end moved by itself in three separate distinct little movements. And I, I thought that was a pretty impressive uh, little bit of evidence myself. And, and that footage is online, correct? That, that footage can be seen on YouTube, yes. If you type in warehouse cigarette YouTube, you should find it. So why don't you, uh, you know what I'd like to do, uh, Steve, is if maybe you could view that during the break, and uh, I'd like your thoughts on that as well. Okay, that's uh, that's put me on the spot a little, but yeah. Um... No, it is, it's not, I mean, it's not a spot, it's just your opinion. I mean, the, this is what it's all about. I mean, it, it, is, isn't serious research all about peer review? It is about yeah, peer yeah. review, um, but there are a lot of things that, that one needs to consider um, mm -hmm. rather than just the footage. I mean, the whole thing has to be has to be put into context and ordinarily when when we're doing video analysis video reviewing uh there would be a whole raft of additional information that we would request but i think from from willie's description that certainly sounds like like uh an intriguing situation because you know uh, the description rules out uh pretty much rules out as he says uh any form of, of uh, movement by uh, uh, you know drafts or, or, or mm -hmm. an open window blowing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to call it up and uh, try and view it as we go into the break in about well, about ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you, you, you I can't promise you an answer or an explanation. Um, so, but I'll certainly, with interest, have a look at it. Yeah, okay, you, know, you won't hurt my feelings. So, you know, it's like you said, it's all about, uh, you know, everybody's opinion. Uh, it is. You know, I mean, we you, all have you different just opinions. just watch it and, you yeah. know, give us, give us your opinion on it, or you can decline your opinion if you want, you know. But, uh, I mean, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you say, you, you know, you don't think it's uh, legitimate. As I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, I, uh, I'm just trying to Google it as we speak to see if I can pull it up. Yeah, Warehouse Cigarette, I think it's called, right? That's yeah, it was pretty good. I watched it. I watched it, and I thought it was interesting. I really did. Um, I, I know it, that... It is, uh, it is kind uh, of hard to see I found, on, I found on the it. small screen. Okay. The, the other interesting thing is that I remember um, a friend of, of mine uh, had her her um, footage put on uh, my ghost story, and it was a ball rolling at uh, Waverly Sanitarian. And I was with Maureen, we were writing a book, uh, I think it was Ghost Chronicles, the book we were writing, and uh, she showed me the footage. I said, yeah, you know, that looks pretty cool, but I can show you that, you know, it, it can be re reproduced. And she said, no, you can't, because I said, look, she touched the ball there. So I went downstairs, and as I was going out, she had a big exercise ball there, and I just took the ball, and I just touched it, and it rolled, and then it rolled back, just 
like someone was pushing it back to me. And it, all it was was a, uh, you know, in the hand movement. But, uh, of course, she got upset with me, but that's the way it is. So, I mean, some things we can't explain and some things we can't. And I, this footage, I think, is interesting. Let's put it that way. So, I mean, Willie, you have done several investigations now. What perhaps to you is your most interesting um, or aha moment in, in your investigating? Most interesting moment? Uh, well, that would probably have to say that was at the Shanley Hotel in New York. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I forget if you've been there or not. Yep, Sal is the owner, yep. Yeah, okay. Um, so anyways, up on the, you know, there's there's two child spirits there. Uh, Rosie, the little girl, and Jonathan, the little boy. And Rosie likes uh, shiny, dangly earrings and stuff. So I have a shiny, dangly earring that I always wear when I go out there just for Rosie. And I was up on the third floor one night in Jonathan's room doing an EVP session. And I was by myself, actually. There was nobody else even on the third floor. And I was just getting finished and packing up, and somebody pulled the earring out of my ear and tossed it on the floor. So I, I would have to guess that that was, that was Rosie. And that was, so that was so you actually felt the pull in the earring? It, it, it actually was pulled out of the ear and tossed down on the floor. But, but did you feel it? That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, yes, I did. Okay. I, I, felt, I felt it being pulled out. I've managed so, to have a look I mean, at the video that, while that, uh, Willie was talking about the, his experience, and uh -huh. uh, I think there's a couple of things that, that, that do spring to mind. I think one of the things that we can quite quickly say is that uh, the other possibility that I was considering, that being uh, somebody or some, something knocking or banging against the shelf or the structure causing uh, movement... I think the shape of the lighter, with it being an oval body lighter, would uh, mitigate against that possibility because the lighter itself doesn't move and one would expect that sort of body shape would, would readily oscillate if there'd been a vibration. <clears throat> but there is one possibility that, that might be worth considering. Um, I don't know, Willie, what was the sort of climate conditions, the, the general temperature and humidity on that occasion? Um, well, it wasn't, wasn't terribly humid. The climate, the temperature, as I remember, was, was comfortable. And uh, just as a little extra, this, like I said, this was in a warehouse, but that was done was in like an office room. So it wasn't the big open warehouse where you might have a lot of breeze coming around. It was mm -hmm. in a smaller room, which had no doors or windows going to the outside of the building. Mm -hmm. And so nothing was, nothing was open. What, what, I'm, what I was considering as a, as a possibility that you might want to, uh, I say, take, take or, 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 or whatever, is that mm -hmm. uh, the cigarette... Uh, when they're put into the uh, carton, they get slightly compressed. And then when the cigarette, yeah, of course, is yeah. taken out of the carton, the tobacco, 
uh, will will expand a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, as it as it sort of returns to its shape and regains its 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 shape, right. um, and that could be accentuated by. Uh, increased temperature and and or humidity within the location, but nonetheless, um, it, it will have been crushed to a degree into the carton and then will expand. I'm just wondering whether okay. the expansion of the tobacco has caused it just to momentarily jump, uh, a little bit like the Mexican jumping bean. <laughs> I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and if it if it had just moved once, then. You know, I would be inclined to say, well, something not paranormal, but maybe unexplained, maybe just like you were saying. But where it moved the three distinct separate times in different different movements, that's that's the part that really really makes me wonder. Mm. I say it was just an idea, and I base yeah. it oh, on you know on the you know the the, the, the limited. Um, Right. time right. Of, of viewing the video and also the sudden movement of the cigarette you know there was no subtlety it was it was three very distinct quite sudden um motions right. Right. but there was no light there was no motion from the lighter uh, and i would have expected right. had, had the had the shelf or the the uh the surface it was on been been struck and vibrated i would have expected to have seen the lighter wobble which wasn't the case so i think yeah, we can rule it, that out I think you can, and as you say uh, the motion rules out any form of draft or breeze yeah someone yeah, actually asked, someone actually asked a couple of questions in the chat room about the that uh, steve did you see him uh no i'm in the toggy net chat room yeah that's yeah. that's the uh, one. where is it then uh, from Kim, it says, was there anybody else in the room? There was other uh, people in the room, but nobody was within six or seven feet of the of the cigarette. Okay. You see, that's yeah. one of the big problems on um, with a lot of footage that's presented. Um, the investigator, of course has the advantage of being there when it was taken and knowing the exact yeah. situation and knowing uh, that there were that people were many, you know, tens of feet away or, or six or seven feet away in this case. Right. Um, the problem when it comes to presenting that the evidence is that uh, any peer review is based entirely upon the the account of the investigator um, mm -hmm. because there isn't anything within the footage that proves that there was nobody there blowing on the cigarette or or manipulating it in some way. Um, and so for the investigator itself, the footage might be uh, very compelling uh, evidence that's being presented but when presented to peer review of course unfortunately it leaves itself open a lot of the time oh, I, to, yeah, I to the skeptics yeah. oh yeah i mean when it, when it comes right down to it and i'm the same way and unless you were actually there and you saw it then it's going to be that much harder to believe it yeah yeah that's, I mean, that's if, an if eternal problem with what we do. If somebody else showed me that, then I wouldn't necessarily say, well, yeah, yeah that's definitely paranormal. Yeah, I, I understand that. Well, uh, there's the music, so which means we have to take a break. Uh, Willie, I know you've okay. got to go. Uh, can you hold on just a few more minutes? Sure. Sure. Okay. 
Okay, so you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parascience, Steve Parson, New England's own Van Helsink, Ron Kolick, right here on Tojanet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged. Restrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous, as we give the awards to the Parax family. Take 6,427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so we are, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except- so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we are back in the land of the living. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the aged Van Helsing (laughs) (laughs) and the young, youthful and gorgeous Mr. Parascience, Steve Parsons. And our guest tonight is Willie Hassel from, oh gosh, Spirit, Spirit Chasers. Is that correct? Right, Spirit Chasers. Thank you. Thank. I, see, my my memory's my memory's not great at the best of times, but we've got. But we're talking about some very interesting footage that uh, Willie's group shot. Uh, we were talking about it just before we went into the break, showing uh, the movement of a cigarette uh, taken during an investigation. Um, and there's been some suggestions coming through the chat rooms. We we have. Uh, 
questions about uh, vehicles moving outside the building, uh, people being in the room, and we were talking about the the eternal problem facing investigators, that of uh, being able to present the, the their evidence for peer review because. The, Willie, you were there when that footage was taken and you know um, the conditions under which it was taken, that there was nobody right. there as you've said and that I'm sure that you've looked at many of the possibilities that people are suggesting uh, but when we come to present that on YouTube or, or you know, to, to our peers via websites, the great difficulty is we don't have 30 or 40 camera angles to, to be able to demonstrate um, and answer so many of these questions that the skeptics will pose. That's, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I did, uh, I could hear you and Ron talking during the break, and I did hear the mention of possibly a truck, but, I mean, of course, you have to take my word for it, but where this warehouse was, it's, it's down a long driveway, Probably a quarter of a mile from the nearest street. It's it's an abandoned warehouse, so there's there's nothing going on in there, and so there definitely weren't any any big trucks going by, as far as that goes. Okay, I mean that was a question from the chat room. That was that yeah. was not me, yeah. but yeah. I mean I no, would I, look I, at I, like, I would look at that anyways. Uh, I mean just to to leave it out. I, I mean, skeptics can be, uh, they can be pedantic, and it can be difficult and frustrating sometimes. Uh, I mean, I've heard, I've heard them uh, ask, you know, have you ruled out sonic bangs and, and earthquakes and, mm-hmm. and, you know, explosions from outer space and all manner of uh, asinine uh, comments that they come up with. I, mean, I think possibly one of the most humorous that, that oh, I think we touched on it last week was, oh, was yeah. done, on, Kira, done on Most Kira Haunted um, yeah. were faced with uh, for, the, for those just to recap briefly uh, they were at um, a prison uh, the House of Detention in London called uh, Clerkenwell and uh, I think Carl uh, got scratched on the forehead uh, and when, when confronted with the the possibility it was a spirit and asked for a skeptical explanation. I think the parapsychologist on that particular show said that a small fly or insect had flown quickly into Carl's head and and scratched him. Um, now, you know, that, on the face of it, that I suppose sounds plausible. So you start to do the the nerd the nerdy bit, um, which I did. And uh, we looked at the type of insects that might be there um, and the sort of mass that they had and the speed that they would need to be travelling at right. uh, in order to cause damage. Because, there, I mean, there are tables and charts for ballistic skin penetration and all manner of things like this. And, and we roughly worked out that the fly was doing about 8,500 miles an hour. There you go. Um, so, presumably... <laughs> you know, it's a, there's a new species of fly down in London. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, actually. Oh, I think you just swallowed one. Yeah, I think so. I did too. <laughs> um, anyways, Willie, I know that um, you are going to. Uh, where, where you go? Mound. Uh, what's, what's the name uh, of that? Moundsville Penitentiary. Well, actually, it's the old West Virginia Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia. Uh, 
we're going to be there Friday night. Living, living small, we're going to be there Friday night for a private overnight investigation. And uh, it's kind of a, a team effort. It's going to be Spirit Traces Paranormal. We're hosting it. And along with uh, Connecticut Paranormal Research Team and uh, West Virginia Paranormal are also going to be there. Okay, and so it, is, it, is, it is going to be filmed by CTPRT for uh, a future internet broadcast. So Can I just, I, I, Rob, sorry, I have a question because it's, it's not something that, that uh, we generally do here in the UK where you get two or three teams joining together to, to carry out an investigation. Mm. Most, most British teams tend to prefer to do their own investigation and they might invite one or two people along or right. have the public along. But when, when you have three separate teams investigating together, other, do you find that there are problems, Willie, with uh, different techniques and practices between the teams? Well, actually, this, this is going to be my first time doing it like this. So I'll, I'll be able to answer that question better afterwards. Ah, I see. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, next time you're on, we'll, we'll come back to that question then. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I think, Ron, you probably agree that uh, in this country... Teams probably tend more to do investigations on their own than with other groups, do you think? They do and they don't. I mean, I've always, I mean, I have always, uh, how am I saying, I'm going to say this. I've worked with other teams before, and uh, it's, it's not a problem most of the time. As long as you do need someone who is going to lead the investigation, you absolutely do. I mean, you just yeah. can't have, like, three or four teams just wandering around doing whatever they want because then it just, uh, you know, it's just not a good idea, let's put it that way. Right. I think sometimes... Well, we'll, we'll see I think, how it goes. Sorry, I was going to say the danger is you get two or three powerful team leaders and you have an ego war breaking out. Yeah. I've seen that happen. Right. Right, right. Well, yeah, I, 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 I guess we'll, we'll just see how it goes. And I, I think it should go well. Uh, okay, Willie, I'm going to let you go, but once again, what, what's your uh, website? Uh, website is spiritchasersparanormal.com. Oh, NH, okay. And, uh, Steve, any last questions? No, uh, I hope that we get Willie back on because I want to hear the results of the investigation and find out how they got on together. Yeah, that, yeah I mean... We can, we can definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, well, he's, uh, you know, he's been on my uh, morning show before, and uh, he's a member of my paranormal study group. And uh, In fact, you go it tonight, Willie? Yes, I will see you tonight. Is he coming to Spirit yeah. Quest? <laughs> uh, that I don't know. But anyways, the, uh, tonight we're having uh, Mike Marquartz, uh, who is an EVP specialist. He's got his own theories about EVPs, uh, and uh, you might be interested in him, Steve, as well. So, Willie uh, Hassel from uh, Spirit Quest is Spirit Chases Paranormal. I want to thank you so much, and, and good luck, good hunting in uh, Moundsville. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Steve. Best of luck. And, uh, and I will see you tonight, Ron. Okay. Bye, Billy. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Yeah, okay. Bye. bye.
So who buys the coffee tonight then, Ron? Excuse me? Who's buying the coffee tonight then? I'm buying my own coffee. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. That uh-huh. sounds... It, it's an interesting question uh, that, you know, we, we don't tend to get that sort of cooperation between teams. Yeah, I mean, there are groups who... You know, they they, they share ideas, um, and there are some groups that, that do work with other groups, uh, you know. Uh, but groups tend to be a little bit parochial about their techniques and their methods or, or their equipment. The way they do things is a particular uh, way to their group. Uh, and I always think, you know, I think you, you work... You, paranormal investigation can be a hard enough hobby to pursue as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, But then if you start adding in the politics and the egos and uh, I think think it could be uh, just an additional rod for for your back. It is difficult. And uh, as I mentioned, you really do need someone who is a leader. I mean, if you're going to have several groups that work together, then they have to have a uh, strategy planned out in advance. And and you definitely still need someone who is, you know, basically going to be the person to go to when there's anything going on that there's a problem with. Um, you, you just need it. That You just can't have a lot of people, I mean, running around. I mean, that's that's the problem with a public ghost hunt. Don't you agree? I, I've, I always make a, a point at the start of... Um, I, I don't do very many public events, but I always make a point at the start of each one uh, to try and make it clear that um, the 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 public event is more about showcasing the techniques and demonstrating the methods that are used during an investigation, but that having thirty or forty people um, at the location um, does limit somewhat the the capabilities of 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 any meaningful investigation to be to be carried out but i also do point out that you know invariably the people who are who are there as part of the public group are in a haunted location and people have reported experiences uh, on previous visits and that you know <laughs> they might be there to see uh, techniques being used and and demonstrations of methods but ultimately st- stuff might happen I mean, but the problem is it's hard to distinguish at times. For instance, I mean, we just did an investigation. Now, this is my own team, and we broke up in two sub-teams, and we were in two different parts of the building. And one team was doing EVPs, and then they asked, uh, you know, they asked the the question as they all do, uh, if you're here, can you give me a sign? And immediately there was knocking. And, of course, uh, the first thing they did was to call us on the radio and asked if we had made any sounds or anything like that or, you know, because that's the problem. When you have two different, even fractions of a team in the same location, you, you can pick up this uh, uh, stuff. I saw a cartoon once, which was the funniest thing, and, and it showed uh, the boys from uh, Ghost Hunters, and one of them had his head against the the wall, and uh, it, and it was tapping on the wall. Can you give me a sign? And the other one was on the other side doing the same thing. So they were actually just communicating with each other. Well, it comes down to uh, 
my role effectively within within parascience these days is is I am the coordinator, and that means I coordinate uh, what happens during the investigation. Um, mm-hmm. And so we have some fixed rules, like you know, calling out is not per- absolutely not permitted. Uh, when you say calling out, Steve, it, 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 I'm not quite sure what that is uh, call, calling out is when you basically say out loud is there anybody there okay anything okay. anything where you're you know raising your voice and, and asking for a response uh okay. that that's absolutely forbidden um okay and the reason why the, the reason why is because it's going to catch other people off guard um you know if you've got a group of people uh dotted throughout a location, and two of them decide off their own volition to start shouting and bawling, is there anybody there, or... Okay. You're going you're gonna to inevitably, in a quiet location, uh, some of the equipment might pick them up, and you're going to catch others within the team unexpectedly. Okay. Uh, likewise, with, with, with movements, um, you know, you can't just have people randomly deciding to go off and check out that area um, because they might walk past two other people or they might walk through another area the noise of them moving might might uh, be misinterpreted by others so all of those sort of things do need to be coordinated so that they can be related so if for example uh, there's a, a couple on the second floor moving to you know to the first floor and they're going to go past a stairwell with somebody else in it I need to let that person know to expect somebody coming past them. Um, I said that we don't do uh, the calling out, the asking for responses. Um, in some very limited circumstances, that might be uh, required as part of the investigation process. For example, uh, we might be testing a claim from a, from a previous uh, experience that said that when they called out, they got a certain response, and we might want to try that. So what we do then is we would do that in a in a measured way between, uh, you know, we would set up a session and everybody would be aware that that would be taking place so that there wouldn't be anybody caught out. And, and it comes down to close coordination um, in order to, to mitigate and remove as much as possible these false positives caused by the group itself. All right, I can see that. So the other the other uh, thing, which is interesting, uh, thing, but the the other uh, procedure which is I like doing is if you're going to send a team out, you just send a team out, one team out, and the other one stays at the base camp and. Uh, monitors from there, and that cuts down the amount of uh, uh, contamination from other. Yeah, well, but doesn't it also cut down the amount of um, the amount of time that you've had? You, you're going to a location for possibly say eight hours. Um, mm-hmm. If you have half of your people stuck in the base room for half of the time, you've lost four four hours times the number of people, man hours, investigation. Not really, Steve, because if you you use different remote cameras and static cameras, and you're still monitoring that, so you're actually in other places but not physically there. Well, remote cameras can be attached to recorders, so you're not losing the time that way. Um, What we do, and it might be, you know, it's just a method that works for us, and this is... 
you know, every team does have to de uh, devise techniques and methods that works best for itself, is we will put two people into each location and leave them there for the entire duration. Um, so that all of the locations are covered all of the time uh, by, by, by the uh, team members in addition to any equipment because we're there essentially to test the original claim that somebody uh, prior to ourselves had, a, had an experience. Um, so we need to have people there to, to test that claim. Um, you know, we're not there to test... The, the claim that somebody saw something on a camera or that somebody saw something in infrared or ultraviolet or, you know, a human being was in the location and saw, heard, smelt, sensed something. And the only way that really we can test that claim is by having somebody there alongside the equipment so that you have a corroboration, hopefully, between a subjective experience, hey, I can see a ghost, and a camera mm -hmm. videoing exactly the same uh, part of the room, which almost never happens. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing we do, too, is, is we don't like to keep somebody in the same locations because... Uh, if you're experiencing certain things, is it just you that are experiencing it, or will someone else who goes to that location experience the same thing, or, or you know, different? So we like to change the teams up after a certain period of time as well. Uh, uh, just continuity, yeah, but uh, I'm talking about in terms of the a normal investigation where we, we would not visit once. Um, so you would roll people through a location over a number of visits. But for, for the one single eight-hour duration visit, uh, you would leave two people there. And that pays dividends in terms of continuity because uh, at some locations you might have an, uh, an event that's seemingly anomalous, and this, is, this has actually been the case. Um, but when you have somebody there, you know, it, there was a noise, a click, um, which was unexpected. It, uh, the source of it was difficult to locate, and it would have been you know, put down as an unknown. But because the two people were there for eight hours, they noticed a repetition. Um, they noticed it more readily than perhaps if we'd rotated people through on an hourly basis or a, or a two-hourly basis. Uh, and we were able to locate the source of it. So continuity has advantages also. Think in terms of your own house. You know better than anybody the sounds that are normal for your house because you live in it for so long. Uh, you know the sound that the, that the, the plumbing makes, that the neighbours make, that the wind makes when it blows through the, the sh through the roof space or the shingles on the side of the building a stranger to your house would interpret many of those sounds differently and so i prefer continuity and the continuity approach but you're absolutely right uh there is also an advantage to be to be gained from having a different perspective from having different people but that can be done over the duration of an investigation which in our terms can be months weeks 
you know, over many visits. Right. So it's so well, yeah. Well, well, I, most most groups don't have that luxury, Steve. They're only allowed to a location <coughs> for one period of time. No, and, no, I, I disagree. Most groups most groups uh, forego that 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 discipline um, in favour of a different location every week in order to sell really? more tickets. Absolutely, that's certainly the case over here. Uh, many no, of the no, no, many of the groups here. will will visit a location perhaps once or twice a year as part of a rolling, you know, visit uh, a rolling program of public events. Um, you know, they they go to where's popular. They go to where they want to do where they want to go. They go to exciting places that they've seen on television. Um, you know, and every week there is a scramble to get a new location. Plus, don't forget, if you take one single location off the top of my head, let me just suggest Woodchester Mansion. Um, a, a, it's a well-known UK location on the on the paranormal tour scene, and it's visited almost every week by a different paranormal group. Um, each one maybe takes ten. 20 people along each group spends perhaps 10 hours there that equates to you know several thousand man hours of investigation across a year but there's no coordination there's no uh liaison between these groups um you know they come back they stick their stuff on facebook or the edited bits of it on facebook and you know we we're not coordinating between ourselves uh, the results of these investigations and missing a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, you miss, but and uh, I think in so many cases that, that, that we really don't have the luxury of doing that. We really don't. Most places allow you in uh, once, uh, you know, maybe twice if you're lucky. But they, they and, and these are, we're not talking about public events. We're talking about just plain investigations. Well, if uh, I mean we we uh, we work on a range of locations, um, and for me, I always start off on the basis of explaining to you know if we were called in to look at somewhere, explaining uh, you know our situation that if we were going to be there once, we're not going to be able to answer any of the questions that that. Uh, the client wants us to answer that we mm-hmm. do need to have you know a number of visits ideally spread over a number of of weeks or months even in order to look at the location uh you know in, in the different sort of weather conditions the different uh seasons of the year if you like uh mm-hmm. and also we you know the chances of us being there uh, to coincide with something taking place, we can optimize to a small extent you know when when was when was the original experience reported? Well, it was four o 'clock in the afternoon. Well, we certainly don 't need to be there overnight. Uh, mm-hmm. you know we aim to want to be there at four o 'clock in the afternoon and then spread out from that time, ideally so that eventually we'll have we'll have gone round the clock um, but you know, i mean that 's the perfect storm isn 't it? Most investigation is always post-event. Uh, you're, exactly. you're normally, you're, you, you know, you're not called in before someone sees a ghost. The right, reason you're there is because right. they've seen it and it's gone away. Yeah. Um, I, I know there is a question in the uh, uh, chat room uh, from uh, Ghost Girl who asked, uh, who's a better investigator, a female or a male? And it, it's a two-minute warning, so we have to wrap it up. So... 
I'm not going to answer that, of course. <laughs> well, we have, but, we have I, about a 50-50 mix in parascience. Do you, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you find, though, that, that, that uh, females uh, and males each have their own strengths or, or there is no difference whatsoever? Uh, I can't think of any differences between the between the sexes within our group. Um, you know, our, the other coordinator is female, Anne, uh, who, who's been on the show, and we have a bit of an equal fifty-fifty mix. Um, it reflects it reflects in life. It re- reflects a human experience. Men see ghosts. Women see ghosts. We even have a you know we even have junior members in parascience from time to time because there are. You know, cases where children are involved, and, and that's a, that's an interesting thing. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about that in the future. Uh, yeah, the role of children in paranormal investigating—that's uh, that's really interesting, Steve. Uh, yeah, I, I had never even thought of it that way. But the, yeah, you're right. So, anyways, I, I know the pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap it up. But uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, this October and September, the end of September. Yeah, likewise. And uh, it's going to be interested in 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 see how you react to some of the things, uh, some of the events that go on, and and, and your thoughts on it. I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's going to be a great learning experience and a great sort of coming together of of you know different ideas. I, and I think it is, and and I'm looking forward to it. And in fact, I just uh, talked to someone today, and it, it's going to cover all different things. I mean, we're going to have witches there, which is going to be cool, and they're going to do spell casting and stuff. And uh, we're actually going to have a collection of antique Ouija boards, which is really cool. Ooh, now that'll be a particular favorite of mine. Oh, very good. Well, so uh, Jason Robertile and his, his uh, wife Heather will be there, and she's a witch as well. And it's going to be—I've uh, seen his collection before. It's awesome. And uh, so, anyways, it's time to wrap it up. Steve, uh, thank you so much, and we want to thank Willie Haskell from uh, Spirit Chases Paranormal for uh, stopping by. And I guess it's time to wrap it up. So, till next week, uh, it's time to say good night. God bless everyone. Thank you. Good night. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.